I'm glad you asked me about that, Josh. Welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Did you do anything fun last night? Did I do anything fun last night? Uh, yeah, yeah, we got to, uh, I, well, it was fun for one half. It was fun for Norman North and Crosstown Baseball. <laughs> you know, the, uh, <laughs> the wild thing about yesterday was I woke up with the understanding that it was just supposed to rain all day. Yes. And I think most people felt that way, right? Right. With, with the cancellations and everything. And yet, really, that day was today, right? <laughs> it's it's going to rain all day today. So we were able to play baseball really? last night. Yeah, they, they moved it up. It was scheduled from seven, uh, scheduled from seven to four p.m. So they went out and uh, got to got to broadcast a little baseball, taped a podcast where we talked about a little Paul Feinbaum. So it was good. Yeah. What was the reaction to the old uh, Feinbaum? Well, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me pause for just a moment. You asked as we were coming back from the break, and I'm like, I'm glad you asked me about that. I felt bad because I hadn't asked you how your day was. Yeah. I'm what like, do you? And how was your night, by the way? That way, this is not one-sided here. I don't even remember. <laughs> that's a, Usually, that's a good night. Oh, I know what I did. I know what I did. And it wasn't my, my wife bought something on Facebook Marketplace. And, and, and listen, I just want to make this very – we are big Facebook Marketplace peeps. Oh, that's, that's where all the deals are at. That's right. That's right. I bought a uh, five-gallon bucket of golf balls that I'm consistently hitting into my neighbor's yard for 10 bucks the other day. What a deal. But she bought this thing that we don't really need, right? This massive rubber-made cabinet. And she's a big deal maker. I am not. I'm not a deal maker, right? For me personally, it's like- We've got what we need. He's like, right, and I'm not going to haggle you, Right. He's like, oh, we'll take 75 for it. I'm like, fine, I'll pay 75 for it. My wife is a big, would you take 50? You know, and that's her thing. So, get this. Get this. Um, He's got to score a big deal. Right, always a big deal. <laughs> so, she's haggling, you know, going back and forth. Well, the... Uh, Has the offer been removed yet? No, 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 no. The guy, Terry, who's awesome, is a big softball fan. And so he goes... Listen, I'm a big softball fan. I'll give it to you for 50. And so she doesn't tell me any of this, right? And so she then immediately, I'm like, what are you even doing right now? It's a rubber made thing we could go buy. She's like, I know, but I got a deal. So we had to go pick that up. And I got to meet Terry, who was awesome. But I listened to the, we were talking about chicken coops because he, said, he, he, he listens said, to the show. I really would have liked that extra $25. Right, but- exactly. I made her pay him the extra 25 bucks, and I felt so bad. I gave him one of my hats. I'm like, here's a hat that I've never worn that they got for going to the uh, World Series. Wear it with pride, man. I appreciate as you. I'm George, sorry. As George Costanza would say, worlds are colliding. Words are co- so thank you, Terry. So that was, that was kind of – we went and we talked about chicken coops for a little bit, and I think he was trying to get rid of us and we were trying to get this thing in the back of our car so we did that and then it was You're just dad satisfied life. with the purchase it's a great purchase man i don't know what we're going to use it for but it looks cool yeah i don't even like what are you talking about what is it, it? it's a rubber made uh cabinet so instead of you know rubber made tub it's like a cabinet except for it's rubber made and it's apparently where we're going to put all of our pesticides and things in so the animals can't get into it. Okay. Because far be it from the cat to get, I don't know, killed. They'll be terrible. And all these yard pesticides, they don't freaking work. I pre-treated my lawn and I have more dandelions and those stupid little things that you can blow than I've ever had in my life. It's not working. It's not working. 
Fine, I need a I need a pre-emergent that actually freaking works because it didn't work on my yard and I did what it said on the on the on the thing. Anyway, that was my night. So thank you, Terry. Awesome to meet you. We'll be at the tailgate this weekend. I'm sorry my wife tried to use softball to haggle you down a little bit. With that in mind, she didn't, by the way. That's sarcasm. With that in mind, let's get to the Colorado conversation. Because you brought this up real quick before we play the Paul Feinbaum. Everyone's losing their mind about what he thinks about OU football. Just in general, too. Because there's been this, you know, dating back to the, hey, I'm I'm bringing my baggage, bringing my luggage with me, and it's Louie. And all of a sudden, there is this exodus. Right. And it probably is Dion, for the most part, processing the roster and turning it over. Is, is, is that being done correctly in your mind by Dion? And then the, uh, this new thing that's popped up with all these Colorado transfers asking for their practice film. Right. Like, I don't know that we've ever seen anything like that. Yes. Thank you. I, I, and I got to say, I think I'm Team Dion on that just because, I mean, I don't know. I, it's sharing the practice film, it, it, some of it, I mean, it predates Dion, but I don't blame him not one to pass along trade secrets, so to speak. Yeah, I know, right? I, I get it. I just, the overall, the overall feeling about how you handle this is so mixed you're taking over a program that won one game last year so it's not it's not josh like you could have too much sympathy but in that same vein there is there is a way to handle it and i don't necessarily know if publicly embarrassing the guys who are there is the way to go about it I mean, literally, the first team meeting is him basically telling everyone in that room they suck and that he's bringing in Louie. Yeah, he's, he's bringing in better players. And, and here's the deal. It got the desired public uh, effect, right? It, it right. got the, the social media engagements, and it's been a lightning rod, which is good for Colorado. It's right. hard to argue that it's, it's not good at least immediately. Now, long term, is this going to be damaging? Because if you don't win, if you stink this season just the way that you stunk the year before, all of you know some of that positive momentum quickly evaporates, does it not? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I I thought I had taken the the screenshot of the number of people that have turned over on that roster just from the spring. Just from the spring. I think it's 18 players. Wow. So, I don't necessarily – I get it. I understand. Could the tact be different? Sure. But it's prime, and that's how he's going to be. I've got an article that I'm perusing through during the show on breaks that, you know, they um, – I think it was David Ubbin. He's – Colorado's not going to have, like, a full-time beat guy from the athletic, but I, I think David Ubbin is going to be a guy that – that is there what I think they said every other weekend, but they've, they've talked to some of the players in the portal. Here you go. Here you go. A total of 51 Buffaloes have entered or said they plan to, since the portal first opened in December, 41, 46 since Sanders took over on December 2nd, no other program 
has lost more than 29. I mean, to me, that is, even from just a sheer numbers standpoint for practice, right. that's not good. Plank, you get 85 scholarships. So far, the Buffaloes have accepted 29 incoming transfers, some of whom practiced this spring, and more are expected to arrive this summer. College football recently eliminated the cap on 25 signees for a single class. The five players the Athletics spoke with relayed one consistent reality for players Sanders inherited. He spent little to no time coaching or speaking with them. (laughs) The Pete Hughes approach. Quote, I felt like he was more of a motivational speaker. He gives good advice, but he didn't really talk to any of us once. I never really got to experience his coaching. I kind of think that's the Dion way, though, right? I mean, look who he's brought in as his offensive and his defensive coordinator. I mean, it's almost as if he's like, I'm going to be prime. I'm going to wear the cool outfits. I'm going to be the center of attention. And I'm going to have these assistants and coordinators here. They're going to be really good at what they do, and they're going to coach you up. That's that's the plan, and if it works – It'll be brilliant. Boy, those numbers are massive, though, are they not? Into the yeah, and from, just from a practicing standpoint in year one, I think it's a little bit alarming to some degree. Now, I mean, it could be brilliant. We'll right. see. <laughs> some of the coverage, though, is is wild. Listen to this. This is from On3 Sports. Okay. And this is from, yeah, this morning at 940. They tweet this out, okay? Colorado legacy Travis Gray, son of 1990 national champion, Reveals blunt way Deion Sanders cut him. Quote, he told me, you're six foot eight, 320 pounds. I know in my heart of hearts, a school's going to pick you up in the portal when you enter. Make your weaknesses your strengths and keep progressing. I hope you have a great future. It just won't be here at the University of Colorado. End quote. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I don't know that there's anything particularly bad about that. Right. But, uh. I don't know. I, it's just like, why are we, why are we seeing that? I don't. Why know. are we seeing that with just because it's Dion? I guess, right? I guess so. And that same conversation, you know, has to be taking place elsewhere. Has to be. Huh. Eh. Interesting. So uh, here, here's two quick texts on this because I think, I think the actually three. Here's one for the four hundred two. Something that should be concerning for Colorado is not so much the transfers, it's who is. It's some better players, few guys that came from Jackson State and has now also lost DB commits that were under his watch. Right, let me let me try to get through the pronunciation or the, uh, uh, the punctuation here. Something that should be concerning for CU is not so much the transfers, it's who is. Yeah, I think I see your point. It's not about necessarily who's transferring. There's a few better players, but there's not a lot of dudes that came with them from Jackson State, and now he's lost a DB commit. We all lose our mind because Travis Hunter and uh, Shadow Sanders, his son, went with him. You're like, oh, my gosh, Colorado is going to be a beast. He's bringing Louie. He's bringing – but then you kind of stop and you're like, oof. Yeah, but he also lost uh, Versace and I don't know. What, what other brands are there? It's a good point from the 785 using history. It was before the portal, but when Charlie Weiss processed out a bunch of Mangino recruited players, it crippled 
KU football for a decade. And again, they had antiquated rules that were in place during that time. Right, correct. You could only uh, have a certain number, and then there was there. This is another excellent question: Will they be zero and six heading to Stanford? I, I don't see how they couldn't be. Um, it's it's tough to say why they'd be good, but then again, you know, you're seeing a lot of the same stuff going on at Nebraska. Um, here is their first six games. Um, they open. At TCU, they then host Nebraska. They host Colorado State, who, by the way, Jay Norvell, they got a little spunky down the stretch last year. Trust me, I know. I picked them in the ref uh, ref Royal Rumble, and I thought that they would implode, and they actually played okay down the stretch last year. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say Jay Norvell's got it turned around, but they, they're not awful, and that's a, that's a team that – Let's see, what was their final? I want to say they went like three and something last year. Yeah, three and nine last year. But, I mean, that's three and nine versus one and 11. And let's see, what's the next game then for Colorado? Oh, at Oregon, then home for USC, and then at Arizona State, who, by the way, Arizona State might be pretty good this year. I would say one and five at best. Maybe two and four, because I don't know, Josh, if TCU is going to be any good this year. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's a mess, right? Well, Oregon, USC. I don't think they're winning those games. Absolutely not. They're definitely not winning the USC game. They, yeah, and they're not they're not beating Oregon either. So there's two losses. The other games, I mean, yeah, they, can they win, could though. win. Yeah, uh, they're probably not going to win at TCU. And the Nebraska game is the home opener, and they're trying to keep Nebraska fans out. So they're making that part of a, a ex expensive ticket package i would pick nebraska i would too <laughs> realtor chris there's no versace there he lost wrangler and lee <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you very good all right um all right it's it's 10 17 i want to play this i want to play this cut from paul feinbaum i want to do it because we teased it this was from a radio show in alabama our buddy cole kublik and greg mcelroy and well, here, here's the question and everything leading up to it, and you decide how you want to feel about it. This so is anybody to see what Prime does, but I, I mean, their roster is just still not good. I, mean, I don't care what anyone says. I mean, compared to that of what USC has now, adding Bear Alexander along the defensive front, compared to what Utah brings so back, Washington brings Perfect back. Perfect timing on the Prime. They're a far right. cry, I think, from being competitive against those top teams. Uh, looking elsewhere, Paul, um, there were some. Obviously, some games being played in Oklahoma. Uh, they're going to be a member of the SEC sooner than later. We've already spent a ton of time in the last week talking about the Texas Longhorns. As they transition, do you think this season matters for their transition to the SEC, or is that just a completely different animal? Because I do feel like there's some momentum that can be created this year that could lead to success early in their trip to the league, but... I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure out if I'm overreacting. So, how much, I guess, stock are you putting into progress being made in Austin and in Norman, respectively, uh, as they go into this upcoming season? I think it's important. I think it's very important in Norman, Greg. Even though by normal Texas standards, what Sark did last year was 
not considered great. It, it did look like an improvement. And, and, and I think fans out there have been, have been in the middle for so long that they, they appreciate that and, and they see with Arch Manning and others uh, showing up that the program's on the right track. I, I have deep concerns about the, the trajectory of Oklahoma. Uh, I, I talked to Barry Trammell, who's the local columnist out there the other day, and, and I do not get a good vibe about this program. There, there just seems to be some uh, concern that that in the aftermath of Lincoln Riley, they can put the pieces back together again quickly. That that did tremendous damage. Not only did Lincoln leave and take Caleb Williams with him, uh, it also – uh, took a lot of other players out of there, and and and, and there, there is no one who is convinced that the Brent Venables hire uh, is going to work. Uh, there, there's equally no one is convinced that it, it's not going to work. And I know that sounds contradictory, but the, the people are just right in the middle. So back to your question, this is a very important season. He needs to get out of uh, you know this morass that the program uh, was in last year. You, you know, you don't lose by what. 40-some-odd points uh, to Texas and have it go down well. That's a game that matters greatly. Uh, so I, I think there's there's far more emphasis on what Venables does this year, not so much in terms of losing his job, because I don't think that would happen after two years, but in, in terms of trajectory and showing up at the SEC with a little bit of momentum. All right. Um, Stu on it. I don't know if hearing it changes your perception after reading it. Did you know what the word morass was? I've never heard that before in my life. I, am I looking at the right thing here? An area of low-lying, soggy ground. Yeah, kind of it engulfed. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Stuck in morass. Yeah, I don't – look at Barry throwing us under the bus, man. You know what? The, I, can I tell you I – I don't know that he did in his interview. You don't think so? Let's talk about it next. we got to take a break. Plus, you know, big Barry Trammell guy here. He wrote about me, so let's go. It's 1021. We'll address it next on The Ref. All right, let me uh, give you a couple different texts on this. What Did you want to react to it here real quick before we – because we, we, we played it, went to breaks, the fine bomb comment from Monday's show up in Birmingham, down in Birmingham, I guess. What's your takeaway from it? Yeah, I don't think that he's all the way wrong in what he's saying. I would, if you ask me who's 2023 more important for before they jump to the SEC, which not that that's how the question was phrased. It wasn't phrased that way from right. McElroy and Kublik. The, the question was the importance of this year for the transition for both Oklahoma and Texas. But if you force me to pick, I would say, yeah, based on – how much of a downer last season was for OU, this season's more important for Oklahoma than it is for Texas before you jump to the SEC, which I think is – that's the crux of what Feinbaum was trying to get across. And, you know, the choice of words that has turned into a headline here, deeply concerned, right? Sure. Deeply concerned about Oklahoma. When you say that – it sounds like basically he feels like th there's no reason for hope with OU, right? Right. If you if you have that phrasing, and I don't know, maybe maybe Paul Feinbaum does feel that way. I don't think he knows enough about OU to truly have a a true educated opinion to on it. To feel that yeah. way, I, I think it's hey, you and and I I feel this the same. I feel the same way when I'm talking to someone 
and they're throwing a hot opinion out on OU, I quickly realize, ah, oh, yeah, you, you don't have any idea what you're talking about well, here. Well, and my point would be this. Based on that 90-second response from Paul Feinbaum, I don't know that he's deeply concerned as much as he's more deeply intrigued with what's going to happen to Oklahoma this season. You know what? This is a really I, – I joked earlier that I don't know of anyone that listens to uh, – to Paul Feinbaum outside of my man Dean Blevins. But this is this is actually a really good point. This just popped in from the 918. It says, Barry's not been portraying a lot of confidence or enthusiasm the past two times he's gone on Feinbaum. I don't – and that's fine. But I don't think Barry's portrayed a lot of confidence in his columns that he's written over time here at, in, in the Oklahoman. I think that it was the – he was one of the first ones that wrote, hey, guys, this might not work. And let me – can I give you a little background? I think that there is a lot of frustration that builds, and not just Barry. I mean, I think for everyone, when press conferences are not late, but late, late, when post-game press conferences don't happen on time, Brent likes to talk to his team. I have no problem with it. I'm sitting there waiting for him, too. But for some people that are working on deadlines and things of that nature, Josh, that to them becomes frustrating and in the mind of those that are covering the team that have the platform to bring opinion-based ideas instead of just, hey, you're covering the story, you're covering the facts. When you're, hey, give an opinion on this, it pisses you off when you got to sit around and wait. Sure it does. I, I would hope, though. And, that- and, and, and re- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, just real quick. It shows to them, I think, a lack of organization. And that's, that's a fair final point there. I, I would hope and do believe that, Trammell's not taking that into account when he's evaluating. I would hope not. Right, right. But I think think they all are. I think everyone is. On some level, maybe uh, subconsciously maybe, Uh I I don't think that that's a conscious evaluation of – of Brent Venables, is it? Well, because what is it? Because his focus should be on football, not on the media. No, no, no. But what does it show in their eyes? I can't be prompt. I can't be on time. I'm not organized. I don't have organization. You could make that. You could make that argument. And I think. I think that's where a lot of this comes from. It's like you gotta be organized, be head coach. This dude showing up 20 minutes late for press conferences, and yeah, I, I think that's part of this here. I really, I really truly do because it's how you do anything, anything is how you do everything. And so to them, if it's like, well, he's, it, it adds to it. I think it, it sets a tone of frustration, if you will. And so then. You're already working uphill. Everyone, I think, loves Brent Venables. I don't, I don't see how you can't, right? The dude's amazing. But when you get into some of these situations, I feel like that every little thing becomes a reason for criticism. I to, would, to me, to me. I, I would, and I could be way off. I would say the biggest takeaway here is this. Oklahoma was 6-7 and seven last season. And so there is nothing that you or I – or anybody in Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium or the Everest Center, there's nothing they can say or do today that is going to erase what Feinbaum thinks or erase what that bozo from Barstool Sports thinks who has no integrity of which to have the opinion about whether or not it's going to work out for Brent Vittables. You can have any range of opinions. You can be positive. You can be negative. Nothing. Matters until they kick the football off to begin next season. And there's nothing that will change it, the opinion makers, between now and then. And this 
is the result of a six and seven football can, season. It is what it is. Can I argue though? Uh, maybe push back against one thing, bro. If Texas takes a step back, if they don't carry that momentum from, I mean, what what were they even all that overly impressive this year? Um, if they backslide at all this year, they're going to Bama. If they get smoked by Bama in week two, and then let's say they lose the Red River rivalry, let's say, you know, they suddenly this this incredibly positive vibe around Texas football that shifts rather quickly. It's it, it not especially being, if OU beats them, right? Not being on time for press conferences or making people wait post game, all that ish goes out the window whenever you start winning games. Right, this just seems to be something that kind of tags onto it. Like, okay, let, let's just take real quick, boy. I did not have this on the show rundown today. But I, I, I this is what the people are well buzzing about. Seeing that we bring up the draft, and I spend you know a good twenty minutes on the draft, and we get what may, one guy who called and had the wrong number and two texts on it. <laughs> uh, may, maybe this is the way to go. But let's just all this, all this positive momentum around Texas. Man, look out. Texas has got so much going on. They went eight and five last year, eight and five, and they got beat in their bowl game and in their biggest game of the year on their home field. They were basically shut down by TCU. That was a 17 to three game until Max Duggan fumbled it. So I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I'm with you and Again, I would say that right now where we stand, just ending last season to today, mm-hmm. I, I stand by this season. Right now, today right. is more important for Oklahoma. Oh. And, and I, I get what Feinbaum's saying in yep. that respect, but I hear what you're saying in this sense. This thing can change so quick. It's not as though Texas just ripped off a 10-11 win season and it feels like they're on the cusp of being playing a national power. Like yeah. they were, you know, even though Oklahoma and Stoops dominated them in the 2000s, you, you'd have to say Vince Young leading them to a national championship, playing for another national championship. Texas was a national power right. throughout a large portion of the early 2000s into the late uh, 2000s before things went south uh, in the 2010s. Texas is not there right now. They're, they're better from where their decade of destitution, Right. But they're not that far removed from if Oklahoma flip thing, flips things around and, and all of a sudden defensively Oklahoma's improved and then Oklahoma goes and beats them in the Cotton Bowl and has a double-figure win season again and, and Texas has a 7-8 win season, Feinbaum and everybody will be saying the exact same things about Texas that they're saying about Oklahoma. And can I remind you that when you look back on how teams did when they made that jump from the Big 12 to the SEC, looking at you Missouri – Looking at you, Texas A&M, they were pretty damn awesome whenever they jumped to the SEC. <laughs> Missouri had one down year and what was right there in the mix for their division title. Texas A&M was rolling teams when they got into the SEC. So I'm, I'm not freaking out too much. But you're going to take criticism when you finish a season six and seven. And there's not someone here – on the day-to-day that's peddling positive information, right? There's not. It's just not happening. 
Um, if it's, hey, I talked to Barry Trammell from a Paul Feinbaum perspective, Barry's entitled to his opinions. Or if I talk to Teddy or if I talk to Dusty or Gabe or whomever, a former player that's around practice a lot, and they didn't give me a real positive. I mean, that's just the reality when you're coming off six and seven. My first losing season since 98. And that's why, unfortunately, with a lot of the trash talk, you just got to kind of sit back and take it. That's what I'm saying. In, until you, even throughout the non-conference portion of next season, until you go win at Cincinnati or beat Texas, this this doesn't go away <laughs> until you go win. Yeah. And I'll one, one more thing as well. And this is this has always been kind of my feeling on that cut. I think the – the best the the point that he missed was you won't find anyone that he, like there is a gray area no 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 i i think it's de- defined i think it's very defined and a majority of fans believe yes and and a majority of the fans are on board with this vision and this foundation and the people that aren't usually are people that are fans of other teams or a very small percentage that are just they're never going to be happy. The, the there fa- is a belief. The fan base is not cracked yet. No. Now, it could quickly this season if things go south. And because it was 6-7, and seven, th- there's some of that out there. There's definitely palpable frustration. But just based on the feedback we get here, it's mostly still in Brent's corner. Agreed? Agreed. Now, again, I don't know that it's too far away from going the opposite direction if this season goes south, but right now where we stand today, people are still believers, for the most part. Quick break. We'll hit your text next on The Ref. Do you like covered wagons, Josh? Love covered wagons. Did I do it right? Red Dirt Sports. But do you like covered wagons? Do you like covered wagons? According to at OU Crystal Ball, Three-star 2024 running back Xavier Robinson out of Carl Albert has been future cast to Oklahoma. Future cast would be rival. Z. Rivals. Thank you. Uh, I don't know why I left the S out. Uh, let's see. 24-7 sports would be crystal ball. Correct. Right? On three prediction. Oh, I've never heard that before. So yeah, theirs is boring. They need to. Uh, what else can we create for on three? Do you think? In addition to apparently, there's going to be a lot of people new trying to predict what what's going on over at on three. Yeah. Can anybody Holy predict smokes. where uh, all these media entities that, are going to wind up? That, does that really matter to people? If like, um, no, but it matters for the people involved in what their bank account gotcha, looks like. Gotcha. Okay, because I just didn't know if it mattered if you were twenty four seven sports or on three or rivals. I mean, it, it might matter to some people just in the sense of I got to move my subscription or this or that and but you know generally speaking no i don't think fans care huh should we just start i'm just going to start my own recruiting rankings i'm just going to start a twitter feed i do not i couldn't care less i just want everyone to get paid that's my goal yeah everybody 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 be happy make money sure and get yelled at whenever you get a future cast slash prediction slash crystal ball wrong (laughs) no we don't root for that what um, this is, though, the more recent update from at OU Crystal Ball. Joseph Jonah Ajonye, a four-star 2024 defensive lineman 
who goes 6'5", 260. What is he, a power forward, too? Let's go. Um, future cast to Oklahoma, according to Nick Harris. Is that the same Nick Harris that used to play for Oklahoma? That is not. Oh. That is the Nick Harris, though, that this is their final day in recruiting. Oh, is it? Okay. There's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of media rumblings. Really? How about that? So that's the uh, most recent two things that I saw on Twitter.com for you this morning. And Brendan Thompson, of course, during this week made everything official, as did Hampton. Fay. Hamp Fay. Thank you. Do not say fry. <laughs> I said Hap Fry about five times yesterday. Hamp Fay. All right, to the, to the text line. And Bender will be uh, coming to Norman next. That's right. That's the rumors. Uh, 405-651-3439. We've obviously dove into the fine bomb comments from the uh, – Colin Mack show, Mack and Cube show, whatever. In McElroy Cublick. <laughs> Cole Cublick, Greg McElroy. It's either Cube and Mack, Mack and Mac, Cube. Big, big, big Mac Cube show. Uh, a lot of history here on this. Uh, 580 Nate writes, since 2009, Texas has 10 wins one time. But they've won five games or fewer four times. They also, by the way, the lost days. four games in that 10-win season. But it's still kind of funny to me. It's... Oklahoma had a really bad year last year. And the kind of resonating score is 49 zip. Yeah. Right? And that's usually what they're gauged by more than anything else, which I always find interesting. Do you think Feinbaum has any idea also, by the way, that Dylan Gabriel didn't play in that game? He's He's got no clue. No clue, does he? None, none whatsoever. And, and look, Oklahoma got smacked around and beat soundly, and it was – the most embarrassing Red River game of all time. Right. Oh, absolutely. But to not understand the circumstances of the game is a key detail, is it not? I mean, Oklahoma right. might have still lost by three scores, okay? And I don't think that they would have, but it's a possibility, whatever, right? Um, but 49 to nothing is to just sit there and spout that and, oh, look at the difference between these two programs does not really explain the situation of the game. Here, there's a couple people that agree. Here's this one. Uh, Feinbaum is 100% correct. OU was a disaster last year with terrible in-game coaching decisions. All BV has proven is he can recruit one year. All the rest is up in the air. Boy, that guy must be a blast to watch games with. Tommy writes, (laughs) here are my thoughts about that clip. We know what has to happen, especially after last season. But don't pay attention to what has been happening in the past year. I I agree. I think there is a perspective that can be drawn from that. 5808 points out. He mentions Texas recruits in passing and doesn't know the name of one OU recruit. Then says, well, I talked to Barry Trammell and things don't feel right in Norman. Paul working hard to get the inside info the common folk need, as always. I don't think... <laughs> Thank you for your hard work, Paul. I don't think there's... <laughs> Anything wrong with being upset about where Oklahoma is? Not at all. I mean, sure, be mad, but to basically say, oh, yeah, they're doomed. I don't think I'd go that far. I don't think I'd go that far. Um, here's a couple more. Is is this a bad – calling someone a, a wing nut, is that a bad thing or not? I don't really know. Did I just get canceled? I've never heard that before. There used to be uh, 
used to be the Wichita Wingnuts. Oh, there you go. So I feel better. Feinbaum is basically repeating what he was told by an Oklahoma journalist. That's the extent of his insight. Parroting. 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 And then true, right? Are we up against it here? Yeah. We got a little time. Um, What do you guys think the overall opinion for current SEC members are on OU joining the SEC in football? Are they worried at all? I guess that depends on the member. Well, like Uh, I said, no one's one's acting worried because they're coming off a six and seven season. Oh, they weren't worried before. And they weren't worried before because then they were coming in, they're soft, and they don't play defense. So, Well, and OU's, you know, against SEC schools in the biggest games has gotten beaten. Yeah, and and if – I brought this up a lot. You know, people want to act, well, it just doesn't matter. It's like, no big deal. OU's coming in and Texas is coming in. Okay. We'll see. We'll see if if that recruiting continues to uptick and by the time they get there, it's cooking. Because I think that could be the case. But then again, every SEC fan's not worried about any other SEC program, right? right? Tennessee for – Years and years when they stunk. Oh well, this oh, we got this thing figured out now. I'm here to I'm here to warn you guys. All right, and we're going through a little bit of it now, but there's not a single team that goes into an off season after a bad year in the SEC that doesn't feel like that they're going to be fine. <laughs> right. It's right. The the rationality in the SEC it, it doesn't happen. It's not there. It it is very, in my opinion, um, typical. Kind of what you see. Oh, uh, one more quickly. Unfortunately, there's probably a lot of SEC folks that would listen to this uh, last half-hour conversation and say that that rule applies to us. Oh, absolutely it does. Uh, Sean writes, he didn't say anything negative. OU fans are the definition of insecure, and deep down it's because of fear. Oof. All right, quick break. When we come back, we'll get you ready for the top five stories of the day right here on The Ref. I, I like this. This is a good take. From the 405, if Alabama goes 6-7, and seven, we're all going to laugh. If Georgia goes 6-7, and seven, we're going to laugh. When you're top dog, people want to see you down. Let's not worry about these frauds and go kick some backside. I think that's the point of this. I, here's what I hate is just the idea that nobody believes that they can turn it around. I'm sure there's hundreds of people that are nervous because they haven't had a losing season since 1998. It's the first time Brent Venables has been a head coach. I'm sure there's concerns. There should be. But, and I guess maybe saying I can't find anyone that doesn't believe they won't get it done and, you know, kind of that little parallel that doesn't make a lot of sense, but when you think about it, it does. I think part of the reason why everyone is so passionate about it is because Josh, they do believe in what Brent Venables can and will do at Oklahoma, and that's why. This is the tax right here from Jesse G. I like this. Tram basically said no one is overly confident Brent will get it done. He also said that no one is confident that Brent won't get it done. (laughs) After last season, that take makes sense. I think we all hope he will, and we see how the path he is taking can work because we're so close to it. 10,000-foot view has to be skeptical for Feinbaum. And – I don't know that that's. I don't know that anything that Tram said there would be wrong. I'm not disagreeing with it. You know, I, I mean, I think that uh, that is a fair, measured take on where the fan base is at. Right? Like, if you ask folks to be totally honest, that's probably right. You give how you really feel. Well, I mean, I'm worried, but 
I believe in the coach and the system and and the mentality. Look at the history of what he's done as a DC, and look at the guys he's got around him. I think that's a, a fair point. It's definitely it's still more positive than it just, negative. It just <laughs> whenever it's laid out in kind of a negative mindset like that, it fires people up, right? You're like, whoa. Where do you get off? You're not here. You don't see it. You talk to one guy. I understand it. Completely get it. Did not plan on talking about this today, but you guys had no need for my draft talk. So when we come back, we're going to get the top five stories today. Again, no softball tonight in Tulsa. That game has been uh, canceled. There's, there's buzz about a potential game next week, but for now, I wouldn't count on it. Just Just – bubbling buzz so we'll see if maybe they're able to reschedule it but remember also next week Oklahoma's series with Oklahoma State in Stillwater is Thursday Friday Saturday so instead of the Friday Saturday Sunday Thursday Friday Saturday and guys don't blink but the season's regular season is almost over these are the final three regular season home games this weekend unreal all right when we come back top five stories of the day uh, I mentioned we've got a very very cool guest coming up at the bottom of next hour and more of your reaction on the text line 405-651-3439 it's plank show on the ref